Welcome to Season 3 of UDIA's Development Drum Podcast, where we speak to members and ask them to share some of their property industry insights and at the same time get to know our industry colleagues a little better. My guest today is Michael McNabb. Michael is the Managing Director and Founder of Queensland Construction and Development Group, McNabb, now one of Queensland's largest privately owned companies. Michael is also a Director of the UDIA Queensland. McNabb currently have 500 staff across southeast Queensland and have built a reputation for providing certainty in uncertain or fluctuating markets. Well, thanks for joining us on The Development Drum, Michael. Lovely to be here. Now, Michael, you started McNam nearly 27 years ago, presumably yeah. at the age of 10. Yeah, thank yes. you, thank you, thank you. You're in my will now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Ides of March, That's 1996 right. it was. There we go. So I was, I was 20. The was 20, 20. 20. Okay, 20. yeah, yeah. Okay. Take us back to that time. Mm. Did you envisage that McNabb would become one of Australia's largest private construction companies? Was that part of the plan? The receiver walked into the business I was working in on on the I was actually sacked on the Ides of March nineteen ninety six. So I had zero vision about what I wanted to do. Yeah. I could have taken a job with another construction business, or I could have chosen to have a swing myself, which is what I did. I guess I'll tell a little story. My first project was a, a construction management deal, really, and the customer happened to be the owner of Black Toyota and Part of the deal was a ute. Right. So I got a ute and a fee to run a $3 million retail project in Dolby. So um, at those stages, it was just a matter of keeping my head above water. No, no great visions at all. Yeah. I certainly do understand that it took me a while to work out I needed to be a business person, not just a builder. Yes. So a few whacks across the nose um, to learn those lessons. Though. And you must think about what it would be like to start McNabb today versus what the experience was like those 27 years ago. Oh, look, Kirsty, the, the shame of it is I think with the level of bureaucracy and legislation today, I don't think I could start. Oh, you never know. It would be very difficult. Yeah. The licensing regimes, the the reporting regimes, I think it would be very difficult for a new builder. The I think barriers it's a, to entry it's, it's a real issue for our industry. It yeah. works for me as a business today. Yeah. But for the good of the construction development industry, the barriers to entry are terrible. Yes. The young builders really struggle and I, I, I think it's a big problem. It's a structural problem for our industry. Yeah. And look, the industry has just changed and evolved and you would have seen that firsthand. In the last five years, I think the pace of change is, um, you know, we're constantly reviewing legislation, Mm. rewriting processes inside our business, you know, bank accounts, all that stuff. It's a constant it's a constant piece of work. Mm, it's almost full-time oh, job. Oh, it is. I'd say we'd have two or three staff on on change management of process on a regular it's basis. Incredible. Responding to legislation. Yeah. Now, during COVID, the value of business relationships seemed to be the catch cry for most yeah. companies. It was all relationship-based and, it, and it, you had to have strong relationships, particularly between builders and developers and builders and, and yeah. subbies. But what I've found is McNabb's ethos and promise has always been about delivering certainty and also with care. Why has this been an important part of McNabb? I worked out pretty early on. It was just easier. Yeah. If you genuinely understood your customer and genuinely understood the subbies or generally understood your stakeholders, it was just easier and you made more money yeah. in the bluntest of ways. A set of plans and a conversation, one conversation is never enough to build a building. Mm. Really properly understand what do you really want? What's success look like to you on for this project? Yes. They're the things that I've found once I understood that 
clearly. It didn't matter whether the Jiprock wasn't perfect. It needed to be perfect, by the way. The relationship side of me properly listening to you, properly understanding, challenging you sometimes, going, Mm. well, Kirsty, is that really what you want? That Mm. doesn't add up based on the lease I can see you're about to sign with that tenant. And having possibly that commercial ability to understand your, your customers' customers. It's always stood me in good stead. So to me, we started to inculcate that into the business around what does, you know, our tagline relationship builders isn't it? It's a serious commercial tagline. Yes, yes. And relationships can be good and bad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we need to be, it's like a marriage, I guess. We have our good days and our bad days. It's about the honesty, the transparency. And yep, did it help us in COVID? Damn straight it did. Has it ever been more important than it was during COVID? No, I don't think. Yeah. think so. I mean, we had to have lots of conversations mm. with lots of, lots of customers around escalation, significant delays with weather, God forbid, border closures. I mean, we had three projects either side of the border when Anastasia, uh, good premier, shut the border. Mm. Um, our customers could see that, but we had to constantly be communicating what did it really mean. Mm. And uh, you're on the phone constantly yeah. keep keeping people in the loop. So, And a lot of it was bad news. It wasn't lots no. of good news on the phone. Yes. So the, the long-term relationships, those people, they knew where we were coming from was a place of honesty, transparency. Yeah, so it and it's imp- something you had a strong track record of delivering presumably yeah. over previous decades as well. Oh, yeah, so it wasn't a, wasn't and, a new tagline. No, no, no. And, and I think on balance, certainly the Gold Coast market was probably the craziest market we saw during COVID. We were still delivering, albeit not the way we would have liked mm. to, but we were still getting it. Yeah. Is it still that way, Michael? The SEQ market, yeah, the Gold Coast is the hardest one yeah. still. I think there's 120 cranes between Snapper Rock Hill, Point Danger Hill, through to Hope Island, plus a light rail, plus yes. a lot out the back at Rabina. Yes. It's, you know, we've got five medium-rise projects down there at the moment. One of them is our own. I'd say they're all underdone by 10 to 15% in numbers yeah. than we'd, we would have had two years ago, three years yeah. ago. Yeah. June, say, to September last year when coming out of the floods and COVID sickness, I think we were 30% down. Right. And wow. And we just couldn't get your cycle times. You couldn't get your, your labour there. Yeah. So um, certainly I haven't seen the coast. It's probably settled. It's not eased. No, no, it is, no. It's, it's static, but it's statically underdone, I'd say. I'm happy to personally undertake that cane crown. <laughs> For you weekly, if you'd like, I'm happy to. You know, could take me could take me all day, but I'm happy to commit (laughs) to doing that for you. We'll get you up on a couple of the uh, twenty levels and look at the beach. That sounds fine to me. I could also hack that. You talked before about COVID. Mm. How did you? I mean, builders were at the front and center, as you said, around having to navigate that challenge. How did you, as a business, navigate that? Look, I guess use the word we're fortunate in the sense that. Residential was the, the project's most affected. Yes. And while we build a lot of residential, you know, we have a Toowoomba business that turns over 100 million bucks a year and it builds things as chalk sheds, abattoirs, those sorts of issues that were in residential in Brisbane weren't as bad out there. Yes. So we had that diversity yes. in our book, yeah. so to speak. Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Toowoomba, and quite a diverse customer range as well as, as, well as sort of niche, you know, customer types. We're already starting to diversify a lot more, and and we had we were really aggressive about that. We're now yeah. Queensland's largest industrial builder and food processing yeah, builder. Right. We had that history, and we were starting to do that as as the escalation started because we, I never saw escalation coming in the way it did, mm. but we I had a sense that it was going to be a bit messy in residential. Yeah, with, even with the government grants, yes. and everything. So I'm going, oh, let's get out of it a little bit. Yeah, thankfully we'd started that process when it really hit the fan, so to speak. So. 
that stood us in good stead. Relationships, sitting down with customer, going, you know, we're in, we're in a bit of hurt here. How can we work together? Mm-hmm. We're pretty aggressive about new contracts, and be fair to say, there are a few quantities of ours and our customers going, "You're being too shrill, Mister McNabb." And mm-hmm. I'm going, "Well, I don't think I am," and I. I'm concerned about the next 12 months. I never went close to getting it right. It was double yes. what I thought it was going to be. Yes. So I was pretty happy that we walked away from a few projects. And I don't like saying I told you so, but there were some some people in this town were really accusing us of being too aggressive and mm. fear-mongering. I was like, no, mm. we weren't. And in the end, the tsunami of escalation just rolled over the top of the industry. It was changing so quickly, though, wasn't it? When we contrast uh, March to even May I can't, you know, 2020. it's... it's it's easy for me to have a bit of a go at people who are, but I can't blame them. They're sitting there advising and they're seeing they're seeing bits and pieces and we were seeing things change daily. Mm. You know, we're on the phone Was. national CEOs of steel companies, yes. plumbing companies going, guys, guys, and they weren't even sure where their prices were going to be. So, yeah. And then the poor little subby, he's then walking in and going, I'm going broke. Can I have some more money, please? Mm. You can't. Escalate that. You, no. That's a conversation that just, and we're still seeing it today. Yes. That little piece. Are you seeing a, an easing of both supply and cost? It supplies, I think we've got a handle on. I mean, we, we direct import a fair bit ourselves. Okay. Staff in Vietnam at the moment, staff in China, facade, structural steel, joinery. That helps. Yes. Locally, we're seeing static, a level of a level of clarity with supply pricing. Yes. And a level of three months, six months, you know, sort of projections. The biggest issue still is labour. Yeah. So if you're a subby, you have 10 guys walk out for more money, yeah. you can't perform. What I've seen in the last 12 months is a subby runs 30 guys really well. He's got a bit more work with some more margin. He gets 10 new guys. His productivity goes down because he's not used to running 40 people. Yes. And he's paid more for everyone. So all of a sudden his margins are being squeezed. Mm. We've seen a fair bit of that in the last 12 months. So we're working really hard with our subbies to talk to them about financial management. Yes. How are they tracking? We'll look at their turnover growth. If their turnover growth is getting too peaky for us, we'll go, hey, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because that's usually an issue of a bit of a cash flow crunch or possibly a profit crunch for them. A lot of that work goes on in the back. And that's really proactive management and trying to... As soon as the escalation started, put aside the pressures that it was putting on us, we knew that we had to be talking with our best subbies and our yeah. biggest subbies and going, hey, how can we help? What can we do? And, you know, there was a few instances where we had to help on heart surgery virtually keep the guys alive. Yes. And, and that's the nature of the business at the moment. There's plenty of other building companies doing that. Yeah. You talked before about diversification across yep. asset classes and how important that has been. Yep. How have you picked those asset classes where you really want to make a play? Oh, look, it, it was pretty obvious. They call it the Amazon effect with industrial buildings, you know, food processing and food. There's a huge investment coming to that. Yeah. Industrial ag, as I call it. I mean, we're working for the McLean family out in the Darling Downs, sort of $50 million bunch of chook sheds, Amazing. you know, barn sheds. So that the investment in those sorts of areas was pretty evident. I mean, we're doing some of our own developments now. We've always been part of the industry was joint venture partner, silent partners. We've got a little bit of land, a couple of unit projects we've got on at the moment. So that diversity was just to have a few other income streams running other than just purely building and yes, contracting. Yes, and exposure mm. in just a particular yeah. few areas. But I'm just thinking as you talk that I, I do have a chicken coop at home for six <laughs> phantoms that they could have a little bit of a renovation by the sounds of it, Michael. Are you, if you've are you got looking some, for a brown paper bag? Oh, mate. <laughs> just <laughs> after, you know, you some, some quality accommodation for the <laughs> no, girls, Michael, I'll that's co- all. I'll come out and free <laughs> advice for free. Advice no, for excellent, free. excellent, excellent. Six small bantams. <laughs> they just are just living their best lives, they are. I have seen 
seen firsthand, I've been fortunate enough to see firsthand the emphasis that McNabb puts and the value McNabb puts on its people. How do you foster, grow, encourage, develop, and why is it such an important part of what you do? Look, I'll go back to the fact that it just makes your life easy. If your people know your expectations, are clear about your cultural values, you're clear about cultural expectations, we give them as much leadership training and people training as we can, I expect the gyprock to be right. I expect the concrete to be right. I expect the fees to be right. But yep. you know, it is a development construction. It's a people game. Just people involved. It's people, people, yeah. people. When you talked about the COVID bit, that stood us in good stead. There's probably 20 or 30 managers who've been working with me for a long time who could have those difficult conversations yes. and, and understand that the customer's hurting, we're hurting, and how do we create win-wins? Mm. It's cliched win-win, but how do we create commercial outcomes? And there's a fair investment into the training in that. It's just a have to. It's not a yes. like to. Yeah. It gets it get, does get harder as we get bigger. And we let ourselves down on a few instances last year. There's no doubt about it. And no doubt that we're letting ourselves down somewhere on a site today where we're mm. not, you know, running it the way I'd like to see it from a people perspective. Yeah. But it's something we work pretty hard at. You've got over 500 staff across southeast yep. Queensland. Yep. How do you remain connected to those staff? It's becoming more difficult and yeah. more difficult. I don't, I'll use the word do a lot. I don't produce a lot anymore. So I get the luxury of spending as well, doing what I choose to do, yes. which quite often is spending lots of time on site, just wandering around, yes. doing royal tours, as I call them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's mainly to understand our people. So as much as I can, I, I try and get to one of the offices a fortnight, try and get to half a dozen sites every month. You know, it's still hard to get around. Yeah. We do quite a lot of events. You know, We bring yes. people together regularly breaking down. I usually try and do an hour lunch with those sorts of guys. But it's getting harder and harder for me. Because of the number? Yeah, the number. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the complexity of, you know, the last two years, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been sitting in an office desk dealing with the complexities of COVID and changes in legislation, the project bank accounts in construction. Yes. You know, all that sort of change, the, the potential change in the developer legislation. You know, we've just spent quite a bit of time putting a submission on that one. Those sorts of things mean the owner of any business mm. in the construction development industry is having to spend way too much time at a desk these days. And I guess the other factor too, and not to forget, is during COVID, there were parts of that that we were locked up at home while construction sites were still operating, but moving between sites at different points in time was a no-no. I mean, I remember... Oh, a couple of times I just, you know, we, I couldn't drive from my, I live in Toowoomba for those who don't know and couldn't go to Brisbane or the Gold Coast yes. for two weeks or three yes. weeks. And it's like, and Teams is, we all knew, you know, we all got became good at Teams and Zoom, but I did lose, I did lose that connection mm. and I love sitting and talking to people. I'm not a person who emails or, I don't know, Teams is good, but, you know. It's I not miss the that same, connection. is it? No. It's not the same. No. I mean, I enjoy coming to work still. Yes. The reason I enjoy coming to work is I enjoy coming to work to spend time with people, people. because they drive the outcomes. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't drive outcomes anymore. So, yeah, that connectivity piece is getting harder. And there's plenty of times I walk on a site, so I have no idea who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Do little lamb badges. Yeah, oh, they have their shirts, but then they, they hide their shirts. Oh, no. Like, no. No, no, please don't do that to me. And is going to work about getting away from the Labradoodle or no, is it, no, is it no, it's it's still um, about the people? You take the Labradoodle to work. The dog comes to work very Excellent. regularly in the Toowoomba office only. Excellent. Doesn't doesn't come doesn't to doesn't grace uh, Brisbane. Doesn't get to Brisbane or the coast. He's been in the coast office once. <laughs> oh, getting out of bed for me most days is pretty easy. Albeit I do say it. There's plenty of days when my alarm rings and I want to throw it at the wall. Yeah. Screw work again. <laughs> I've just had a, a well, had a, lots of sessions this year, getting everyone back into the 
the role of the year. And we've got to have fun this year. The last two yes. years have been hard it's work. Hard, it's been it's grinding. Hard, and, um, you know, I've talked about, you know, working really hard at thinking. I've talked about having re- working really hard at having fun. Yeah. Our business achieves. It'll, it'll you know. Yeah. No one's going to go and sit on a pub every Friday afternoon, maybe other than me. <laughs> but having fun, wanting to come to work, delivering cool outcomes in an environment, it's still going to be tough this year. Let's be real about it. The, the supply chain issues, the lack of, it's not supply chain issues, it's the lack of numbers in mm. the industry. The demand and the supply is just out of whack. It's still out of whack, isn't it? Out of whack. It's out of whack. It's as simple as that. And that just makes it hard. Yeah. No, it's certainly not getting any easier. No, and I think no. we all expected to clock to tick over the 1st of January 2023 and find ourselves with less issues, but it's going to be a grind. Certainly, you know, where it looks as though, it can look like I have a semi-dry year this year. I mean, if you think back yes. to last year, we had floods, Yes. COVID. February to May were probably the worst months. The escalation was bad awesome. enough and then we just couldn't work. Yes. So it looks like this year we'll work with a COVID-less staff or, you know, yeah. nominally down in our numbers. We're even late September, October, November, best productivity we had in our sites for two years. Yes. Dry weather, no COVID. Yes. And it was just like, It's oh, amazing. Low bar, fun? isn't it? It was, it was fun. <laughs> so what still gets you out of bed in the morning? You talked about you're still happy to get up. What is it that still drives you? Oh, it really is the people outcomes. You know, seeing seeing young apprentices who are now site managers, our first apprentices, our innovation, our GM of innovation now. Yeah. And he's, you know, a construct one of our other construction managers was a was a young cadet. That sort of stuff great. does get me going. And yeah, look, I still love the cut and thrust of the game and probably less and less than I used to. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably not my staff get me out of the road if there's a tough negotiation <laughs> or if I'm too soft these days. But I do love the business. Yeah. My children talk about the fourth baby. So the, there's three of them and might be your favourite one as well. I have said that to yeah. <laughs> Now, Michael, you've been involved in UDI mm. Queensland for a few, just a few years, mm. and a few more years to go, yes. please. Firstly, as Toowoomba Branch President, mm. and then since 2015 as a company director of the organisation. Why has that association been really important to you, and what value has it delivered to the organisation? Look, certainly in Toowoomba, I was just harangued into it, basically, by I think John Wagner. <laughs> That's how it happens to most people. <laughs> um and look, just started to really enjoy it. And in the sense of, you know, I was pure builder. We had a little bit of development going on. Coming down in those days as branch presidents to the Brisbane office and starting to understand some of the policy issues and sort of being gobsmacked even in those days about some of the rubbish that was coming out of some sectors yeah. of government at you. Some things change, Michael. Some things some stay never the same. <laughs> um, trying to manage the expectations of a development industry in Toowoomba and a mm. council that were quite disparate at that point. Yeah. You had some people wanting to throw rocks and spears and other people trying to negotiate. And I guess I took the view that negotiating with council is valid. That worked. Even now, I mean, the people in the industry who go to UDA are good people. I just enjoy the people. They're high achievers, people I sit around that table with now. Again, we're dealing with legislation and policy change. It's very fast-paced coming Mm. out of government. Mm quite often well-intentioned but misinformed and yeah. and I know the power of work that goes on behind the scenes. So I've said this to lots of people. There's lots of things I'd love to cheer about that we do at UDO, but we can't no. because it's, we've sort of squished it on the head mm. before it got out the door. So some of those I've been really pleased to be part of. Critical time during the you know during COVID, I think yeah. UDO did a great job during COVID, and I was proud to be part of a you know a pretty talented board that yes. supported you you guys as a management team to sort of respond to what we were seeing on a monthly basis. Um, so just putting back in, 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good industry. I've been very, I've been very fortunate to be in the construction development industry for God, a long time now. So I think it's on all of us to put something back in. Yeah. And you certainly do that in absolute spades, Michael. So thank oh, you. Thank and you. I'm not sure I do that have much. 15 board directors, and you're one of my top 15. <laughs> so thank you for yes. all that you do. That's all right. You can, you can tell the others that as well. That's sure. okay. Yeah. yeah top 15. I'll just, I'll just tell the next <laughs> one that as well. Now, thinking about the next decade, it's interesting, isn't it? We've just been so focused on almost survival yep. Yep. over the past three years. Yep. But now really feels like the year that we can even just start to look over the fence and consider yeah. what the future might look like. From a McNabb perspective, what's your vision for the business over the next 10 years? Um, Apart from building a new chicken coop a new for chicken me. coop yeah. for you, first on the list. Yeah. We had a, um, a session last year at a staff meeting, thankfully that helped guest, our guest presenters. We're talking about the golden decade. The, yes. The, and the golden decade's got so many positives and so many things I'm bothered by. Yes. Um, there's going to be so much opportunity in Southeast Queensland yeah. in the next 10 years. I'm going to come back, you know, 100,000 people a year, the mm. Olympics, blah, blah, blah. So I have a very clear vision of excellence in execution. Yes. I have a very clear vision about diversifying our business yeah. away from just being a pure contractor. Yes. I'm not going to put a growth parameter on. I've never had a vision of growth. I've had a vision of execute, 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 then we can grow. Yes. And our growth will look after itself. Yes. So it's going to be an exciting decade. Mm. I'm 58. At the moment, I'll be 59 shortly on this year. I think I might be in 10 years very close to trying to get to three days a week, maybe, or something <laughs> like that. But I think it's really exciting to be in development mm. construction in Southeast Queensland the next decade. We're working on quite a few little things at the moment. I'm not sure what, where, where we'll end up, but mm. the key piece is look after our people, look after our customers, yes. execute everything we do well. That certainty piece is so important. Yes. It's harder than ever to deliver certainty. Yes. And then let the growth look after itself. Yeah. And it, you're right. It's such an interesting decade ahead of us with the Olympics. Mm. But with that comes tremendous responsibility in terms of the way that we develop the region, the way that that rolls out, competition for skills and trade, competition for materials. We've got some challenges ahead. Huge challenges. And, and you know, I I am... Um, I don't want to be political, but I, I'm not sure we're really grabbing it properly yet at a few levels. Mm. Certainly, from our point of view, it means we'll probably employ another 100 tradesmen this year Wow! because we need to backfill our trade. We know our trades can't keep up. So yes. if we train them, skill them, we're bringing people in from the inner downs, the outer downs at the moment yeah, into right. Brisbane because there's a little bit more employment out there or unemployment. Yes. We'll keep them in, train them because we know that our subbies can't keep up. Yeah. So for us to do the business we want to do, we're thinking about those sorts of things. Labor's going to be the big issue. Yeah. And with Labor comes housing demand. We're going to be able to put people that work somewhere. And that's it's a real issue. It's a chicken and egg thing. Mm. And look, it's 100,000 people a year they're talking about and even it's only 80. Yes. Uh, rental, you know, again, we're structurally out of whack again yes. at the moment. And I'm aware of, Several subdivisions that I can talk to that we're involved with, but three I'm not involved with, over 12 months in DA yeah. on code accessible subdivisions. And then we want it, then people invite me along to summits for housing affordability. I'm going, just to prove the, f yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't swear, just to prove what's in the system at the moment and get the things delivered. So yeah. those sorts of things at a UDA level, I'm, I'm really excited to see how we can get that focus and energy into the decade because we need the we need subdivisions we need medium rise buildings yeah. built I'm looking out the window here at one we're going to have to deal with some of those issues of the NIMBY stuff more transparency do we want to push gum trees down or do you want to improve density yeah I think 
at all levels politically, no one's prepared to have a go at that. Mm. And I think we need to. We've like, got we, to. We, get a deck. Yeah. we have to. We, it'll become a bigger crisis. And we can have all the summits in the world, but unless mm. we're prepared to have some hard conversations about mm. density, hard mm. conversations about greenfield, hard conversations about infill, we're just going to be housing shortages until we – it's going to be common. Yeah, and I think, I think what gets lost in this debate is we all agree that it has to be good housing oh. and good development and quality, but we also need to work out what our priorities are, I think, and – there are many competing priorities, but overriding that has to be Housing we need roofs over people's heads. Our office is in Boundary Street and West End. We've been there for seven years, I think. I think of, I look around the skyline now, 30 amazing looking medium rise buildings built by some of our customers. And I just don't get why people would criticize that density. No. I look around at this window here, there's, you know, and yet. There's people, community groups in West End at the moment criticizing density right at the moment. Yeah. And it's and yeah, I, I get it's changed the to a point the the fabric of West End, but we've got to live somewhere. And, and we've changed as a city, haven't we? we? We're all city. changing. We all yeah. need to take that shared responsibility and change. Yeah, so that's to me, coming back to you today question, if we could if we get something, some traction in that in the next 12 months, two years, I think that'd be a pretty cool outcome. Noted. I think that's on my to-do list. <laughs> no, Thank you, Michael. It's <laughs> been on your to-do list for a little while. It has, but luckily I have the attention span of a gnat, well, so it's, uh, it's always near the top. It's an easy one, isn't it? It is. It, mm. Look, and I think, I think it is about coming back to basics. Yeah. Well, Michael, it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on the development drum today. Thank you for your time and all you, you do, not only for UDIA, but also the industry. We love having you around and you're an integral part of what we do. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me, Kirsty. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for listening to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Remember to rate and review this show on your favourite podcast app. While you're there, please make sure you click subscribe so you don't miss an episode.